we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tundra Crawlers, where we have the sauce. We have what you want. We have everything you desire and need all in this episode. Well, maybe that's stretching it. We have most of what you need in this episode because we might forget something here or there. But for those of you that are living in this crazy mixed up world where everything seems to be inside out and backwards and I'll just leave it at that. We're here. We're here to love you and tell you how to do things in a much more loving, fun, and exciting way. And with that said, I'm just going to hand it over to Krebs so he could uh, move forward with the the topic of tonight because he's going to be our MC. You know what, Internet? You guys are wonderful, and we genuinely love you. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to do this. And we love this. We love getting together and celebrating fandom and exploring our various nerdosities. That is what we love to do. We love to share the joy of what brings us happiness. And if it weren't for you, we couldn't do that. Hosting this podcast is one of our passions and one of the things that we make time for because we think it's important for each other, for you, for us, for our souls. And it begs the question, though, how how do we how do we go about living daily lives, meeting obligations, but still adequately chasing passions and doing them justice? Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Daniel is a published uh, award-nominated author, and Alton is the creator and purveyor of more than one game store. So how did that happen how did we get there because there are so many of you who want to become authors or who want to run a podcast or who want to run a game store or any one of another million passions that you have and so i wanted i I wanted to ask both daniel and alton how they go about serving their passions in a way that is that is not self-destructive serving their passions in a way that allows them to live life in a positive and healthy way daniel how how do you balance family an obligation with being an author and a consummate nerd. Go. Uh, I am a master at balancing chaos. I that's I mean that's something I, I've kind of always said. It's the you know life is chaos, chaotic. You never know what's going to happen from one moment to the next, especially if you have kids. For those of you that have kids, you know what this means. You know you think you have everything planned, everything's going awesome. And then suddenly a kid runs in and says, I broke my arm or someone bit me or whatever. Um, so it's really about balancing that out and trying to management, manage it in, in the best way. Uh, for me, a lot of my writing uh, happens in the evening, you know, after the kids have gone to bed. That's kind of the quiet time I have. Um, I do know there are other people that it's mornings for them. They wake up super early. Uh, and and they write that way. Um, I know of other authors, uh, one in particular, that he actually goes on hikes and talks into a, a recorder. He dictates the entire book as he's hiking, uh, which is amazing because I can't do that. Uh, that would sound totally breathless, and I would be like, what word was that? But that 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 is a possibility. It really is finding what works for you. For me, you know, it's... It's writing in the evening. Um, but at the same time, if an idea hits me, you know, 
I have my phone with me all the time. I'll open up Notepad and I will write down that idea or even the dialogue or just a sequ- a scene that pops in my head because it's there in that present moment and I and I have to record it. Otherwise, I'm going to forget it. Um, so that's how I go about doing it. Um, and that's just you being an author, right? Yeah. And, and, and you've published... A, a few titles. Now, how many? How many different titles have you published? You've so got short stories. You've got novels. Two books uh, and two short stories that have actually been published. In fact, one comes out next month. Oh no, wait! It's this month. Wow! Uh, it is June. June. Uh, so yeah, I have a <laughs> short story in the Valkyria Awakenings uh, anthology, which, it, funny enough, uh, is the first thing i signed a contract for and it's like the last thing coming (laughs) out just because of weird things but um yeah i I sent my first draft of my novel to a particular uh acquisitions editor he's like wow this is really good even though it's really rough um would you be interested in writing a short story for this anthology that's based in my world that i've already written books for and i'm like uh yeah (laughs) So I quickly read through the book and it's kind of really interesting because I got to pick an element um, and he had all these different elements. No, he he had all these different powers and the the powers I picked was an elemental power. And so I'm just like, dude, this is like totally like airbender. I could totally manipulate this. Um, And it was really fun writing it. Um, because I, I, it didn't turn out to be like last airbender, but that was where the idea started. And then it grew from there. And then I realized, well, I only have 5,000 words to write this in. I don't know how to do that, but I figured <laughs> it out. Um, so writing is awesome and it, and that's something that I can do here and there. Podcasting is a completely different beast and a completely different animal. I'm glad you I'm I'm glad you actually brought up the podcast because my my follow up was going to be how many years have you been running Dungeon Crawlers Radio? So, we I officially started in December of 2008. So it's been 12 years almost. Almost. Yeah. 11 We're and on, a half years, yeah. Yeah. 11 uh, and a half years. But but the question automatically then becomes why? What is it I, about uh, what is it about? Like, like, why did you start the podcast? Okay. And why did you maintain the podcast? Because you've had to go through so many obstacles. Yeah. And and so many letdowns, and you've had to fight for this podcast by yourself for a long time during those eleven and a half years. Yeah. Well, so the podcast originally started uh, for a really dumb reason. Uh, I was working for a local radio station. Uh, I was an on-site tech, which pretty much meant I went out to events. I set up a table, put up the spinning wheel, gave out prizes, waited for the talent to show up. They show up. They did their bit. They'd leave. I'd pack everything back up and take it back. I really wanted to get on air. I wanted to be able to talk behind the microphone. I always thought that would be a really fun job. That'd be really cool. Um, this was before, because long before that, I had always wanted to write. I'd always been someone that was creative and came up with stories, but I was always told, get a real job. That's not a real job. And so in my mind, Ooh, you know, 
radio DJs. That's kind of a real job. That's really fun. I used to be a spaz in high school. We'd do these little radio shows and skits and stuff like that. And if anyone ever finds those videos, yeah. <laughs> the deodorant of Armageddon. I'll them. just leave it there. The deodorant of Armageddon. If that ever surfaces, wow. Um, <laughs> but it was lots of fun. So I thought, hey, I could do this. This is something I could do. I went to the my boss and I said, hey, I'd like to get on air. You know, I... I don't care what it takes. If I have to work overnight, I'll do it because I, I have a day job. This is a part-time job. I'll even, I'm even willing to work at no pay. You know, I'll pay me when I go on the tech things, but you don't have to pay me when I'm on the air. He looked at me and said, I can't put you behind the mic unless you have experience. And I looked at him because this was a really odd thing. How do I get experience if I can't be behind the mic without experience? It seemed really kind of backwards and confusing because it's like my whole life, how, you know, how do you get better at stuff by getting experience? You know, you get better at math by doing math and failing and learning and so on and so forth. So it made no sense to me. So I, I went home and I talked to my friend uh, Riley, which he went by the moniker of Malik when we first started. And he's like, you know what if we did a podcast? And I'm like, huh, I'd be behind the mic. I could use, I, we could record a couple shows and I could turn that in as, Hey, look, I got some experience. We're talking about some stuff. <laughs> and then, I, and then the second question, I'm like, what would we even talk about? And, you know, we'd been running a D and D game. He's like, well, what if we just talk about D and D stuff? I mean, we're really, we know about that. We could talk about that. I'm like, okay, but, that doesn't completely appeal to me. What if we also talked about books and novels and stuff like that? He's like, okay, well, we could work up to that. Because do you know any authors? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, okay. So, so, all right. So, we'll work up to that. This is a good idea. Um, who are our white whales? Who are, who are like at the top of the list of people we would want to talk to? You know, these are the people that we know we have reached the pinnacle when we talk to these three people and they're on the show. And I'm like, okay. Uh, R.A. Salvatore, Tracy Hickman, George Lucas. And he's like, all right. And we wrote that on a piece of paper. Those were our white wells. That's we, if we could get those guys, we knew we'd reached the top. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll go figure out what equipment we need, what programs and stuff like that. Now we need a name. And he's like, well, there's bars on our on the windows down here. Um, we like dungeon crawling, so maybe dungeon crawlers? I'm like, dungeon crawlers radio. Sweet. Done. Uh, that's where the name came from. Uh, and it was born. Uh, we were up and running two weeks later. I bought all the equipment. Uh, we recorded our first show, which was two hours long. <laughs> um because we couldn't shut up and then we kept shrinking the shows down but i was hooked i mean it was fun it was something i love talking about i love talking about gaming i love just having a discussion with a buddy of mine and it just seemed natural so from there 
we started getting some recognition. We started going to, you know, I learned about Conduit. I went there. We met some authors. We started interviewing authors. My very first interview with an author was horrible and miserable, and I never wanted to do it again. And then they set us down with Dan Wells, and he was awesome. And then he's like, oh, hey, I, I, got, I got a really good friend. I need you. You, you need to interview him. Um, because he's getting the Will of Time series uh, that he's going to be writing for in like three weeks, but it's hush-hush. You can't ask him about it. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll talk to him. And then he brings over Brandon Sanderson. And that was the first time we met Brandon. Um, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing – we're going to be recording later on today our own podcast. Uh, come on in. We'll give you a shout-out. We're like, okay, cool. The time comes. We walk in there. Their audio guy forgot their equipment. And it's like, we got our equipment. It's out in the hall. Need it? And like, yeah. I'm like, we'll go get it. So we ran out. We grabbed it, came in there. I I can officially say I produced one episode of, of Writing Excuses because uh, <laughs> I, I recorded it. Um, on your equipment. On my equipment. And, you know, gave them the file. They gave us a shout out. And it was after that that I realized two things. One. Through the podcast, I had a voice. Um, something when I grew up, I didn't have a voice. That was something that was always squashed. Uh, you know, if I ever spoke up about something, it was like no, no. You know, so growing up, that was always squashed. So that was that was difficult. But through the episode, but through the podcast, I had a voice. Yes, I kind of hid myself behind a moniker. I, you know, I was Revan. I didn't let people really know who I was in the beginning. Um, that was from fear. Uh, I will admit that. Um, but a lot of it was to kind of protect myself. But as I continued doing the show, it gave me a voice, but most importantly, it helped others get noticed. And I started realizing I was helping other people. And that's what really has pushed me to continue doing the show over the years is because we've brought on authors, uh, some that have struggled, some that have made it big. Um, we have brought on game designers that you probably wouldn't have heard of had we not brought them on. Uh, Kickstarters. We've brought some people on with Kickstarters, and they have said, if it wasn't for coming on the show, I don't believe this would have funded. Um, we've brought on artists. We've brought on, you know, we've kind of had a little bit of this and that. And the biggest reason I've continued to do it, even with the pitfalls, you know, I've gone through multiple crews. And I've always continued to do it because not for myself, not for any ego thing, but one, to provide a service for our listeners because I think we we have great conversations. It's always been lighthearted. It's always been fun, you know, as I've always pitched it. It's the conversation that goes on at the gaming table before the game begins. It's the easiest way because that's what it is. <laughs> and then um, – I'm helping out people and it's always fun to help people out. It's always amazing to see the changes that happen with people through, you know, helping them out. I mean, authors knowing that side myself now, because I was able through the podcast to achieve my dream of writing, you know, other authors with their dream. I, I feel like as creative people, we always think the worst of what we create. You know, it, it's not, is good as Brandon Sanderson's or Larry Correa's or Tracy Hickman's or, or Josh's or Alton's. 
it's crap. But in reality, when someone else comes out and says, wow, your book was amazing. You know, thanks for coming on the show. We love talking to you about it. This was a fantastic idea. There's a small part of them that goes, wow, maybe, maybe what I've created is actually good. You know, and, and there's some, there's some value to it. Yeah. yeah. I am I am so glad that you started with the why on this because that's one hundred percent the same for me too. And yeah. you know, and I, and I think about like the uh, the 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 little coffee cup you make in ceramics class as a kid, right? Yeah. And and it's crap, and you know it, and you look at it, but your mom still loves it, right? Yeah. And and the thing is, is because it's not about the the cup itself. There will be more cups. There will be more art. There will be more things that get hung on the fridge and diplomas that get handed out. And hopefully, eventually, you bring her a grandchild because darn it, she loves them so much. But nevertheless, it's it's that concept of creating something with intent because you have something that you love and you want to share that with somebody. And, and, you know, Simon Sinek, uh, if any of you haven't been on YouTube and searched Simon Sinek, um, he gave a Ted talk talking about starting with the why, and he's written a follow-up book that is fantastic about that saying that, you know, most people can talk about what they do and people who are competent can tell you how they do it. But the most successful people, start with why they do something mm-hmm. and then the rest falls into line. Yeah. And, um, and it's been really similar for me too. Um, funnily enough, my, my professional career, the thing that actually got me into some of this stuff was opposite of yours. Um, I started in a call center at Vivint and had a head for processes and data analysis and things like that. And so they kept moving me up and up and up and up until, I was putting in 80 hour weeks and burning myself out really, really hard. And, um, I knew what I was doing. I knew how to do it, but my why was all out of whack and I was really hurting myself in the process of doing so. And so I had to step away and I don't, you know, I'd I'd been gaming, uh, DMing for about five years at that point. And my first game, I've, I've played like Uno since I was a little kid with my aunt and, and my grandmother, but I remember playing Settlers of Catan when I was 12 uh, for the first time and just falling in love with it. And it always kind of stuck with me and grew up watching my dad and his friends play games in the basement. And so I had a buddy who had started going out and doing magic tournaments with, and we both just kind of talked about it one night. Like, what if, what if we just started a game store, <laughs> you know? Um, we'd had some negative experiences in the community and, you know, uh, basically I said, if these a-holes can make money, I can too. Um, and I'm not going to say which specific stores because that would be very, uh, rude, but there were some who were really not treating their community well, who were not treating their employees well. And we thought, I may you have know, worked with one of those in the past, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and, and so that was where we talked about the sweaty guy in a corner under a flickering light bulb feeling and what does it actually take to clean a bathroom every day and things like that. And uh, we we decided to go and do it. Yeah. And as I started to do it, I realized that there was a lot of value in working with the community and being able to watch others be successful and that every time that I helped somebody be successful, my business grew with it. But even beyond that, when hard times 
do do come and they did eventually come i had friends to fall back on in a community who actually gave a crap and you know ultimately um my first game store didn't end up working out i ended up having to leave it in the hands of other partners who um have have gone on to do different things with it than i would uh but i was able to learn a lot of valuable lessons and you know, now I'm opening my second one here in a few weeks. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I got back into it the second time for the same fundamental reasons that I got into it for the first time, which is there are a lot of cool people with cool passions. And oftentimes people become so worried and self-conscious and concerned about loving what they love and and pursuing what they love that if you just give somebody a little bit of a foothold just a little bit of a place to spread roots and be themselves for a minute we watch people transform in amazing ways every day yeah and yeah and i just love it no i mean you're right you know there there's over the years there's been multiple times people are just like how do you start a podcast i've sat on I've sat on panels at conventions and conferences where that's the topic, you know, you know, and, and people give you the rundown, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that. But the simple, the simple thing is you have to figure out why, why do you want to do a podcast? Is it just to hear yourself speak? Then it's not going to go anywhere. There has to be an overall goal, you know, just like with any story, there has to be a full arc. You have to have the beginning and then the story to get to reach that end. Um, and if you don't have that, you're just wandering aimlessly and people can feel that people can hear that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I've always felt that way. And, you know, and even in my writing, as I've been writing, you know, there was a little bit, I was struggling there because I didn't have the why really, I, I knew sort of the why, but the why I thought was to make money, but that's really fundamentally. That's not the why the why is because I love telling stories. I love putting that story from my mind to paper. If people love it, fantastic. If people hate it, oh well, it's not their cup of tea and that's okay. But I've had to let go of the, oh, I'm going to make lots of money at this. Um, and, and a lot of people have that because like, oh, I want to be a, a rich, famous author because there are some of those out there. But, you know, And they've had the fortune and the luck or whatever things that have been put in place for them to reach that. But... When you lose the why, I think that's when everything falls apart, really, yeah, because yeah. if you don't have that, what's the point? It's no longer a part of you. It's no longer something that you're passionate about. It's something you're just doing to do it, to get a paycheck, and it's no longer fun. I, you know, I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to who are like, yeah, I used to do this as a hobby. I loved it. Now that I'm doing it as work, I hate it. I can't stand doing this anymore. It's because they've lost the why. Yeah. You know, it's it's now a job. It's not something fun that they love to do. And you can still have it a job and love doing it as long as you have that why. Well, and, and that's that's the other big piece too, is a lot of people get really hung up when they start to run into issues. The first bump is is a little one and you're still excited and you're going for it, you're going for it, you're going for it, right? But if that why really isn't in place that credit eventually runs out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've talked with a number of people uh, as they've talked about 
why I keep bashing my head into walls on some of these projects that I just, I know I can get right. Even if this one isn't the time, the next time I can do it or the next time I can do it. Right. And, and the big thing that I've said back is, um, we, we have to purchase success mm-hmm. and there are two fundamental forms of currency that allow you to do that. Um, experience is cold, hard cash. Like every time you mess something up, if you learn from it, that is going to take you way farther. And it's also going to be able to help buy you back some of that emotional credit. But that passion is the credit that carries you through the lows. If all you ever do is rely on passion and you never run into a problem and you never learn from your experience, then you're just running up debt. And the opposite is also true. If all you're doing is hitting the wall again and again and again, and you have nothing in reserve that can help carry you to the next wall and the next wall and the next wall, then the opposite is true as well. You spend a lot of capital and don't get anything from it. Yeah. But so, so let me ask you this then, and, and you're, you're nailing the subject when it comes to the whys. Um, you know, Daniel, first you did the podcast and initially it was to give you experience that you could fall back on and hopefully get a DJ based job to get a behind the microphone talent job in radio. But then, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but from what I understand that never actually materialized. Nope. Nope. In fact, the radio station went under and I never ended up behind the mic. At least, but now you want to be an announcer on Spotify because we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at Spotify least not, does not endorse the show. Yeah, no. I mean, I I am behind the mic, but not in the same way I envisioned. So, so when when do you think your 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 goal, your passion, your drive changed, um, and and uh, why was that okay? Uh, as far as changing from. The podcast to chasing after my dream to write is that what you're talking about well well because because you started the podcast you could get into radio oh yeah and now we're 11 and a half years later and there's sure. no radio and you don't care yeah um so when did it change and why was that okay yeah no that's a great that's a great question so i would say about two years in you know the first year rough it was difficult um towards the end of that second year or that first year um, we ran into a few people, uh, at a grocery store that recognizes like you're the dungeon crawler guys. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're Revan and Malik. You're on dungeon crawlers. Uh, yeah. How do you know about that? I listen to you all the time. Um, that was kind of cool. That was a cool moment. Like, wow, someone actually listens to the show. Um, it was after that that, you know, a local internet radio station contacted us and said, hey, um, we're a little internet radio station here in Salt Lake. We'd love to have you as, as a show. So we ki- sort of kind of got behind and we, we had a live radio show at that point. And we went through that. It was fun. It was hectic because we had a specific time. We had specific requirements we had to do. And I feel like we kind of lost a little bit of the coolness of the show, the thing that made us what we were, because we had to move to a different ele- uh, We moved from being a podcast to a, a live radio show, essentially. Yes, we had some cool functions. People could call in. We could have guests come up. And we had the, the coolness of this 
radio station, which was in a basement of another building. Um, and when I lost that, you know, because that was the dream. That was the dream. Hey, I'm on a radio station. I'm behind the mic. When that radio station went under and we had to go back to being a podcast again, I realized it wasn't as amazing as I thought it was. You know, I had more success with it as a podcast and enjoyed doing it more as a podcast because I had control. You know, if we couldn't record that night, it was okay. Um, we could just do it another night if we needed to. Uh, if our guest didn't show up, we could still roll with the punches. There were, we, I found some freedom in that and realized that that was not the dream I wanted to chase. I still wanted to continue doing the show, but it was just a different way. Okay, so I, you, it was okay that it changed because when, when you went into radio, when you finally had that radio dream, it wasn't, it, it wasn't quite what you expected. And more importantly, it wasn't what you needed yeah. based on why you were doing the podcast. Like yeah. you said, we didn't experience the same level of success. And I want to come back to that later. But uh, that brings me over to Alton then. Uh, Alton, you – you, I know what you've done for a living. I know what you've done. And um, <laughs> and and you, you, you helped out at least one other game store get up and running. Um, and now you're engaging in your own venture where that's concerned. Why – for you – why was it that important that you went through the dream once and and you've talked a little bit about how that ended? Yeah. Why did you go after it again knowing knowing how it went the first time? Yeah, well, so um I you know on a previous episode, which by the way, if you guys haven't checked out the backlog of dungeon crawler which by the way, if you haven't checked out the backlog of Dungeon Crawlers Radio this season, please go do. There's some good stuff out there. Uh but uh, you know, I, I've talked about how my definition of failure changed and, and has continued to change every time that I've failed. Um, but, uh, you know, another uh, another kind of piece of that that I do with all of my players when I run campaigns now, which is a tool that I, I developed after playing the Star Wars role-playing system and a couple of others, um, is uh, I believe that everybody has a motivation an obligation and a core belief. And sometimes you can have multiple motivations and obligations, but for purposes of why we do something right, those three things always line up and your motivation and obligation can be in conflict with each other. And they shift a lot as we grow, as we develop, as we try to solve problems and learn new skills, those motivations and obligations change. But um, a lot of us, as we set out to do something, have a core belief that is far more difficult to shake, but that we often incorrectly interpret as we view it through the lens of our motivations and obligations. And so our motivation and our core belief and our obligation and our core belief are never in conflict, uh, even if the rest of it can be. And so when I started getting in and getting in and starting to work with game stores, even before I started to found my first game store. I was still trying to work with other game stores in the community because I had this motivation that like, 
we can do it better. We can find better ways. We can pummel the competition to the ground, you know, and, um, and as I started to get into it, that, that motivation evolved and it helped me to understand a little bit better what my, my core belief is, right. The thing that I believe under everything else. And it is that people deserve to have a place where they feel welcome, where they feel comfortable, where they can explore the things that they love and share them with others and develop those skill sets and talents in meaningful ways. Um, and I found that as I started to buy into that, I also started to feel a lot better about the things that I shared. And it's part of the reason why I love being on dungeon crawlers is because I, I was able to cut a lot of the crap. I, I don't have to be the guy on everything, but the things that I love I know that I can stand behind and I know that I can give an opinion. And I also know that even if I'm a little wrong or a little off the first time, the second time will be a little bit better. The third time will be a little bit better. The fourth time will be a little bit better. And all of the tools and all of the things that I'm learning now and that I'm developing now, they're going to grow and evolve and change with me too. But as I drive my motivations and obligations closer to that, core belief every time the likelihood that I'm going to find something that I really love and that's really going to stick with me increases dramatically and hand in hand with that it also becomes easier to put you know paint on the canvas a lot of people they, they look at these things that they want to do they have these grand ideas and then they sit there and they look at the blank canvas and they get frustrated because the sunset isn't painted right and 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 we we laugh right but that is a very real thing for people is to uh, you know i to sit there and know what you want it to look like so badly and then you put the first dollop of paint down and you're just sure you've picked the wrong color it's in the wrong spot and there's no way that the rest of it is going to work out and you know, maybe the first painting doesn't work out, but you learn the techniques and you come back and you do it again and again. And one of the fun things that I do in my spare time as I go to bed is I watch cooking shows and I watch people paint, not like the Bob Ross teach you how to paint, but just time lapses of professionals sitting down and doing it. It's fascinating to me to watch people learn how to break things down. And that's, because I've realized that that is one of the underpinnings of my passions is helping people to learn how to do things and breaking down why things work the way they work. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've, I've helped with a number of different stores and as that has happened and I've started to see people who are better than me at a lot of things, but also being able to see that there are always gaps. There are always things that we can learn from each other. I've been able to, to come to grips with that and to say that, yeah, it's, it's okay that the first painting doesn't look right. It's okay that I'm bringing home the crappy coffee cup because eventually it's going to be David. Maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's not the next one, but you know, one of the things that, that Tracy Hickman says a lot to people who work with him is you have yet to make your greatest creation. You know, a, a, a salesman can only sell whatever they're given, but a creator 
is always moving on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And yes, that means sometimes things break. Sometimes they are ripped away from us, stolen, mutilated, transformed into things that we never intended and never wanted. But it also means that we go back, we bring up the fresh canvas, we put the next dollop of paint down, and it's always a little bit closer and a little bit closer to what we're trying to do. And I, I think that, that that's a fundamental part of the human experience, and it's something that creates a lot of hope for me and, and hopefully for others too. You guys, both of you, in my opinion, are super awesome because you've realized dreams that I've heard many people have and they've never done it, but you have. Now, it's been my experience, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it's been my experience that often when you invest in a particular passion, it requires that you not invest in something else. And so, and, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's, it's a reasonable cost trade-off. Maybe that's perfectly fine, but, um, some people will sacrifice things that are normally healthy and good for them in order to have this thing. And sometimes that can be a negative, um, or they say, I'm chasing dream X instead of dream Y. And they let dream Y go. Did either of you have to let a certain dream go? so that you could have the dreams you're realizing now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I you know, the, the, the first game store was definitely that for me. Um, working in a real corporate environment for the first time where I was actually moving up the chain was a real thing for me. Um, there have also been, you know, more personal struggles, things at home. I've, I've had to adjust around what I'm capable of handling health-wise. And sometimes I need a little more sleep or a little more food or I just can't do it tonight and I'm sorry. But um, the, other, the other thing, though, is when you're, when you're working in corporate environments, especially if you subscribe to Stephen R. Covey and things like that, they always talk about sharpening the saw which can mean a number of different things. But the overarching idea is that everybody needs time to reset, become educated, pursue things that they love, become better at the thing that they're doing. And that it is way easier to cut a piece of wood with a sharp saw than it is with a dull saw. So you can keep going and going and going and grinding and grinding and grinding and try to do it all and try to have everything and try to be everything. But what, successful people end up finding is that choosing right and making time and finding ways to make it work and understanding that yeah i, I can't beat the guy <clears throat> for everything i don't know everything i can't do everything i have 24 hours in the day just the same as everybody else and let's be honest i need at least eight of them to sleep so i don't even really have 24 hours in a day most days that stuff is okay. And as you, as you begin to come to terms with that, as I've become to, as I've begun to come to terms with that, my experience has been that I don't feel like I'm leaving as much behind because everything that I'm doing, I'm doing more richly and I'm doing more happily and meaningfully. And I'm finding people who share that meaning and that passion. And even if it's only in this one little area for this one little moment, that little bit helps me to carry on to the next and the next and the next. And 
that doesn't mean that there aren't hard times. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean that there aren't obstacles that get in the way and days where depression kicks my butt or I have to stay in bed for three days because my body finally just gives out because I've been pushing too hard. But all of the little moments add up a lot. And it's because I'm surrounded by people and activities and things that I love. And those moments help me sharpen my saw for the times that I do have to sit down and create an inventory system from scratch and count 10 million items in two weeks. Based on a real story, we're not going to go into it. But not today. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, but it's because I get to come and once a week I get on and we talk about fun stuff for an hour. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and a lot of people don't get to see. But before the show, we often start late because we're sitting here talking for 20 or 30 minutes, just enjoying each other's time. And then we pick the topic for the night and we get in and we just start going. And yeah. and then I go to bed and I sleep, but I feel really good. And the next morning I wake up and I'm energized and I do it again. You know, I go back to work and and that's OK, too. It's OK to have the oatmeal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and it's and, and in your case, well, in all of our cases, and I think it's a human experience that you are rejuvenated by experiencing the fruits of your labors, right? Especially when you're chasing something of worth and you're doing so diligently, you you are rejuvenated when you hit those successes, even if you hit some failures along the way. Daniel, for you, same question, to chase this passion of your podcast, to chase the passion of your of being an author. Was there some passion or some dream that you had to let go so that you could do these things well? Yeah, I mean, there have. Um, you know, like everything in life, there's opportunity costs. You know, you have to, like, if you go to a movie, you have the opportunity cost of going and doing something with friends or whatever and the money and so on and so forth. It's the same thing with pursuing dreams. You know, there is an opportunity cost for you to take this opportunity, what do you lose out on? You know, if I'm sitting writing during the day, I miss out on time with my family. Um, I, I can't work. I, that's when I do my day job is during the day. So it's really, it'd be really awkward for me to be writing, you know, and my boss comes in, what are you doing? Oh, I'm writing my next book. You know, I'm pretty sure I won't have that job anymore. Um, so, you know, the day job has a priority, you know, my writing has, can't happen during that time period. Um, I'm also going to school, uh, pursuing another degree. So that has, I've had to make choices. I've had to make decisions on scaling back on some things. Um, you know, for a time, I believed that I couldn't do the podcast and write at the same time. And I almost gave up the podcast. I almost like, okay, I've done it for over 10 years. Maybe it's time to say goodbye to this. And then I started realizing that doing the podcast was rejuvenating to me. It was like self-care. I got to sit down with a group of my friends and talk about things that I loved, things that I can't talk about at work, things that I can't talk about with most of my family. I know that sounds weird. I, I love my kids, but they think my Star Wars obsession and my Transformers obsession and stuff like that is just weird. That's dad's stuff. Thankfully, I still have my youngest son that, loves this stuff um but i don't have that opportunity but i do but by doing the podcast every week i can come sit for an hour maybe a little bit more and talk about those things with people that are just as passionate as i am about it 
And so it's it wasn't worth giving up. And not only that, it kind of coincides with my writing a little bit. So with writing, you know, I had to tone it down a bit. My goal writing this next book is only, you know, write 500 words a day. And if I don't write words, it's okay. You know, if it's going to take me a year to write this book, that's okay. Where with the other ones, I was really driven. You know, it's like, oh, I have to have this done in three months. I, I, I yeah, I'm writing every night. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm staying up till midnight, one, eight, one or two in the morning, which honestly, in my opinion, anything after 11 o'clock at night is just garbage. You're going to be rewriting it anyways. Um, but that, that, that's, that's not the same for everyone. There are some people that are night owls and that's great for them. But ultimately, it goes back to what Alton said. You know, you have to pick what you're passionate about, and then you have to pick what you're going to give up. You know, I don't play a lot of video games anymore. I used to play video games a lot. I rarely play video games anymore. So that's something I gave up so that I could write, so I could do the show. Um, You know, I haven't gamed in a while. That's something I kind of scaled back on. I still do it, but I don't do it as often. I used to have one to two games a week. Um, so I'm not doing that as much and that's something that I had to trade off so that I could do that. Uh, so there are some things, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm enjoying painting minis again. Uh, that's something I gave up for years. Uh, I think 15 years, um, and I'm back doing it, but it's not an everyday thing. It's a, something I'm doing every now and then, which amazingly, I didn't lose my, my skill in doing that. Uh, I thought it would be rough coming back into it but it's been fairly easy for me Uh, but go ahead and 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 as as you're talking and you're talking about like the the day job against the passion i've i've had a thought of of two different people who i've employed right who both came on board into the game store because they were excited to work for a game store they both of these guys funny enough it was magic the gathering love magic the gathering they know every card every condition right and they come in and they come in hot and two of the people that that i've employed both ran into problems after working in the game store for a number of months because their hobby turned into just numbers they yeah. stopped enjoying the game. They sat down and every time they sat down and built a deck, they were looking at the cost of the deck and what's the best printing and et cetera, et cetera. And, and they stopped actually enjoying the game itself. And I think a lot of people, it's, it's a noble misconception, but it's still a misconception that if I am able to work in my hobby and support myself on my hobby, that you know I'll never be dissatisfied again and life's going to be awesome. And uh, there are a lot of us, in fact, I would hazard to say all of us who may not have the time or the emotional or mental capability to be able to do something like that all the time. And that's okay too. If you're somebody who doesn't have the means to be able to, you know, buy every Warhammer figure in existence and sit down and paint for eight hours a day, like realize that is not a bad thing. You are not failing in any way for being the guy who sits down for 15 minutes when you get home and watches the latest thing on YouTube about a new painting technique. If that's all that you have right now, it is far better to do that and be passionate about it and love it than to try to chase something that could put you in a worse position. Well, and that's 
really what happened with with writing is I was like, oh, I want to make money at this. I want this to be my day job. I want this to be what I do from now on. And it put me in a bad spot. It really did because I wasn't achieving that at the speed I thought I should be achieving that. I wasn't selling the number of books I thought I should be selling. Um, and it really caused some some problems, um, you know, let alone there were some other underlying issues. Uh, but it was when I took control and when I realized, hey, I just need to enjoy this. I just need to write because I enjoy writing. If people end up loving this book, fantastic. If they don't, that's okay. I completed a goal. I wrote another book. I put it out there, and it's it's done. Going back to that why. Yeah, and when I move forward on the next pro- book or next project or short story, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay moving forward because I, this is something I love. If eventually it turns out that that's something I get to do for a living, fantastic. But it's I'm okay enjoying the journey of getting there. It doesn't have to be something I'm pushing. You know, that's the thing I think most of us struggle with is, you know, we're pushing that boulder, we're shoving it, we're doing everything we can to get it up the hill instead of just enjoying the scenery around us. We're not looking at the flowers to the left or smelling the wonderful scent on the breeze. We're just so focused on getting that boulder up that we just, we wear ourselves out and eventually that boulder just rolls over us and crushes us. You know, I, I'm never going to be Stephen King. I'm never going to be Brandon Sanderson. And I'm okay with that because the way I write is the way I write. And, you know, I think it's fantastic, you know, for the longest time. And what really, really hampered me is I had to write the next epic fantasy, you know, book. And I, I, w- I would start writing it and then I would get stuck because it wasn't like Dragonlance. It wasn't like R.A. Salvatore's. Uh, dark elf novels it wasn't like Tolkien it wasn't like all these things and I just kept I, I could never get past chapter five I would always write the chapter five and then I just I'd start self-critiquing and just ripping it apart I never got anywhere and then when someone said you know told me man with all the effort you put into your your adventures there's a there's a story here why don't you write and I'm like all right I can I'll try this because he's like, if you write, if you wrote a book, I'd publish it. And I'm like, so I went home and I said, I'm going to do this. But I didn't try to write the epic fantasy. I decided, hey, I'm going to do urban fantasy. I don't have to do any world building. Earth is already here. I just got to create the characters and have the story. I'm going for it. It was so relieving. I didn't have to do all that. And I jumped into it. The book came out like crazy. And then when I went to do the short story that's coming out in the Valkoria one, that was high epic fantasy. It came out no problem. I had to get past that barrier because I was shoving that rock up the hill and not just letting it happen. And I think that's what, you know, we need the why. We need, you know, we are our own worst enemy. Um, we need to stop trying to compare ourselves to, to everyone else because we're never going to be that person. It's impossible. You know, we're never going to have the same success. We're not going to have the same things that happen like they happen. You need to find your own success for you and let the things happen for you. And then finally, just enjoy the journey. Because when you, if you're shoving and pushing by the time you get down the road and you're in your old age 
and you're grumpy and crotchety like Oscar the Grouch in his trash can, you could have enjoyed the whole ride there you know, and been like Grover that's trying to fly and he keeps slamming into garbage cans and he doesn't care because he's super Grover and he's just enjoying every day. Be a Grover, not yes. a Grouch. Yes, I'm, not Oscar. You know, it's really important to remember that Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill was a trial, right? Yeah. He wasn't doing it because he loved it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and that was something that the Greeks really got right. And they still built beautiful things and they helped the Egyptians build beautiful things. Yeah. And then Rome came along and built even bigger, beautiful things. Right. But they, all of, all of these stories and all of these legends help us to understand those pieces of ourselves and very much to Dan's point, like you can be pushing the boulder all day or you can be understanding what's actually going on around you and, and what, what that destination is. Yeah. Oh, and I have one other thing. The, the very last and most important thing is it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. Yes. You know, yes. Um, Edison, even with the light bulb, you know, he continued to fail and fail. And, you know, he learned something. Uh, this is a, a quote from a therapist uh, that I've, I, I used to see. And it's always stuck with me. It, if you don't learn from it, it's just pain. You know, yes, it can hurt. It can suck. But if you've learned something from it, then it's valuable. It's worth it, no matter what it is. You know, like you've said, I've gone, I've had multiple, uh, I, you know, some people could see them as failures. I've had people that have left the show, um, some that have left because of creative differences, some that have left because they decided to go chase some, some other dream, some that have left because I've had to ask them to leave. Some that have left because they just left. I don't know, truly. Um, I, I've had to overcome those challenges where it was suddenly I had a crew, I had a team that w we talked, we did the show, and then suddenly they're gone. Yeah, and it's just me. How how do you recover? What do you do? Yeah, I just rolled with the punches and moved forward and found ways to continue to do the show. Um, is it as successful as it used to be? No, I mean, every time, you know, I've had to reset a little bit. At one point, we had 150,000 listeners. Do we have that many right now? No, but that's okay because as with everything, you know, it ebbs and flows. Just like the business cycle, you know, you hit that peak, you're, you're rocking and rolling, you're selling lots of things, and then you go into that gentle decline. <laughs> and you either bounce back and start going back up or you just die. And the show has never died. It's just kept rebounding it goes really it goes well declines a little bit we bounce back up you know it's yeah I, i'm not quite superman but i'm definitely a good tick i can jump really high bounce over buildings come back down and bounce back up <laughs> that's a great reference uh you know you, you hit on something that is exceptionally important to me and what i do professionally um, and if it hasn't been mentioned a thousand times already, I teach computer science at the collegiate level. And so I'm always dealing with, um, late teenagers becoming early adults. Right. Wait, and you're and, a teacher. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I, teach I teach computer, computer science, science at, at the collegiate, collegiate level? level. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we did not rehearse that. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, but, uh, one of the, in, in, in conjunction with everything that you guys have said tonight, 
and dovetailing on what Dan just said about it's okay to fail. You know, we keep looking at fail as like a four-letter F word. And we keep thinking that failure is an end all that that it that it somehow reflects upon us and all of us to some degree have fear of failure either because of our own pride or because of our investment or because other people hang in the balance and and there are, those are reasonable feelings to have that said when it comes to producing art when it comes to um chasing a passion when it comes to doing what you love it it is uh, i i believe in the transformative power of failure. I believe in the transformative power of failure. And and it's it's what Dan said, if you learn from it, then it has value. It's when it's when you refuse to change or you refuse to analyze or you refuse to cogitate upon the why, why did I fail in this case? Um that it just becomes pain and and all you did was suffer for nothing. Um I would I would throw out two um very sort of popular uh what's the best term for it i can't even think of the term right now but like popular sayings or proverbs right mm-hmm. um it was uh alfred lord tennyson who said um tis better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all and i i think that when you apply that to passion when you apply that to writing when you apply that to creation uh it, it applies just as much as it does in the romantic sphere yeah. It is better that you chase a passion and fail than to always wonder what if or to have never chased a passion at all. It is well, far better. Yeah, I mean, the what if is is horrible, you know. Well, what if's the worst? You know, it's, you know, you have an opportunity presented to you and, and you turn it down. Who knows what the reason is, but you're always going to go, well, what if I had done that? What ha- What if I hadn't done that? You know, at least, you know, if, let's say, after this third book, I never write again. I could say at at least I wrote three books. They were published. They're out there, and that's okay. I I at least did. Yep. I don't have that. Well, what if I ever? What if I did that? You and know, this I, is, and this is exactly why my sign off tag is exactly what it is. Tell your story, whatever may come, is yeah. because I know of no satisfying story in the world that doesn't involve the critical care characters going through a time of trials. Yeah. And, yeah. and those, those, those things are the things that shape us, that give us our character arcs that allow us to grow and evolve. And all of the people who we look up to, we, we, we look up to them because they've overcome something, whether it's an unseen obstacle that we haven't figured out how to solve yet, or whether it's because we've seen them fail and they've come back and risen above it. It is perfectly acceptable. It is good to gain that experience and come out on the other side. Yeah. And, and you, you know, know the, the, I was, the, the, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. No, go I was just going to add something real quick there. Um, in regards to writing, if you love to write, it doesn't mean you need to go out and, and publish a book. If you are satisfied with just writing the adventure for your game group and that brings you satisfaction and happiness, that's okay. You don't need to run out and write a book. Uh, I definitely don't want to convey that, that, oh, you should go out and write a book. If you are happy with the level that your writing's at, if, you're, if you are just enjoying that, and that is, brings you joy and happiness, then that's all you need to do. You don't need to, to write a book. You don't need to go get a podcast on how to be the best DM ever. If it's bringing you joy, that passion is bringing you joy, 
then you're good. You're solid. And and to to give you that second expression that and and it correlates to everything you just said. Um, I love and this is something I only came across in recent history. I don't know how long it's been around to be honest with you, um, but it goes something like, "Perfect is the enemy of great," and I see this all the time. I have students who would pass with a B or maybe even a C, depending on the topic, but they would pass if they would just do the work. But all too often, they tell me, usually when it's too late, they'll tell me, well, I wanted to get it just right, and I wasn't happy with it, so I didn't turn it in. Yeah. To, which I, to which I say, dude, zeros kill. Yeah. You could have at least gotten a 60 on this. And, and, and I also like to throw it back at them and be like, it's not your job to determine if this is right or not. It's my job to determine that this is right. And, and I'm the expert. I'm the professional. It's your job to do your best and just give it to me. And if this is your best, then give it to me. Yeah. Right? Paint on but the then, canvas. That's right. You got to get paint on the canvas. Um, and, and so perfect is the enemy of great. And I'm actually, what's funny is as much as I'm pontificating about this, I'm actually going through this cycle right now with myself. And fortunately, I am seeing the signs and I'm like talking myself into it. Um, I don't want to say more than this at this time, but I, I have decided that I want to make a docu-series about a topic over which I am very passionate. But having been a film student before and having had certain aspirations in my mind, yeah. um, I want the production to be of a certain level but I'm probably going to have to do absolutely everything myself. And that means I've got to accept less than perfect mm -hmm. as long as I can create what it is I want to create and get the message out that I want to give. Right. And, and it's nothing, it's nothing world altering. It's nothing as important as what's going on in the world right now. Not even close. In fact, it's completely a passion project about something that I personally love and that's it. Yeah. But, but perfect is the enemy of great. And I've got to, remind myself that so that I don't keep aiming for perfect and then never deliver great. Yeah, no, I mean, th I, that's something I've always struggled with. Um, I, I, at young age, the, the belief of perfectionism was ingrained in me, uh, which is why someone has never really seen my artwork. I, I have paintings that sit in a storage room that I've never really shown because I see the flaws in them, and for the longest time, I, uh, I believed I couldn't show those. They were garbage. Um, and so that's something that I struggled with definitely going into writing. But then Orson Scott Card, uh, there, there was a question posed to him and said, knowing what you know now, would you go back and re-edit Ender's Game and, and, and make it better? And his answer was, why would I? It's finished. I've moved on. That was the best I could do in, in that point in time in my life. And there's no point going back to that. I'll just continue to move forward. And so that's what I've kind of looked at it. You know, yes, I could go back to that first book and, and make changes and, and, and improve it. But what's the point? The next book can be better. And, you know, the second book was, I, I've been told it by many that it was an amazing book and it kind of goes back to what tracy said you know as long as i keep moving forward i'm i'm still working on my next best creative thing um and i, I really you, wish that 
George Lucas had heard that answer like (laughs) pre-1997 like I wish why would I go back and change that it's completed it's finished I've moved on I really wish George Lucas had heard that a long time ago Um, but it got more Star Wars movies too and and now there's no way he's ever coming onto the show because you've just pulled out kryptonite good job ruined it for everybody yeah it's Lucas garlic um, um, guys, what what an amazing show! I mean, we could up, we could go on ad nauseum. Obviously, we could go on for hours and hours about this because <laughs> because we are doing that for which we have passion, and yeah. so naturally we can talk about this. But you guys have given such wonderful insights. Thank you so very kindly. And dungeon crawlers at home, uh, please, you talk to us. Tell us about the passions you're chasing. Tell us about your successes, and please, please, please tell us about your failures. Tell us what you got out of it and tell us what you are doing or have done differently since. Thank you guys for listening tonight. You know we love you. Yes, we do. And uh, with that said, we're out of here. And dungeon crawlers, tell your story, whatever may come. And remember to be epic. Don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.